heaven, perhaps you would like hi? Mm, no, not this week. Okay, goodbye. Hi. God be with you, in other words. Let's not, God bless uh, truncate, you, my child. Let's not truncate the lordly greeting. It is blasphemous uh, to the highest degree. Every time I see anyone say good day or anything like that, mm, I'd punch yeah. them in the stupid heathen face. As Jesus would have wanted. Exactly. Or didn't he say, make the other person turn their cheek so you can punch it? That's right. This is episode 255. Which is ridiculous. Why is it? We, we No. No. Um, the, the topic today, is it now time for Elon Musk to be replaced by AI? Good. Okay. Uh, so how have you been? Mm, me too. How many colds have you had in the last week or two? You know, you, you know what you're like. Um, none. Really? Had a cold a couple of weeks ago and then my glands are up this morning. Your glands are out? My glands are up and out. Why? Because my body hates me. You're always full of problems. It's Toby's fault. What's he done? Did he pull them out? He's typhoid typhoid Toby. <sighs> it's interesting. Did you know that? You'll never guess what happened. Um, G4S, the, secure, the private security company, was allowed to run uh, HMP, Her Majesty's Prison, Birmingham. Guess what happened? Well, okay, let's not just be flippant about this. G4S, mm. who used to be known as Group 4... Yes. ...are infamous for their extraordinarily good... Well, I imagine it went really well, and it's the Britain's most successful prison. It's the flagship of how public-private partnerships should happen from now on, isn't it? That's right. No, no, it's... um, there's It's been taken over by the government. Yeah, but it's a crisis prison now, you see, and so it had to be taken over because of all the hideous, terrible things that were happening there. Now, what's interesting about that is... um. Earlier on this year, the East Coast Main Line railway line had to be taken over by the government as well. Um, maybe by the time Theresa May's finished, most things will be nationalised. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, then then Jeremy would have nothing to do when he becomes Prime Minister. But then he'll be so sad. What? 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 There'll still be plenty of Jews to eradicate. Don't worry. It's, it's true. What's what's amusing is that... It'd better be. Well, this is amusing in as much as we would never get away with it. So G4S made a complete hash-up. They've made hash-ups of everything they've touched since ever. the beginning of time. Yeah, ever. You know, we were at the Olympics. They cocked up and they had to bring in the army to do the security. If you remember, people were... When they were looking after people in custody, the people would escape. Remember, they've been a, a Nigel Farage the whole of their existence. Um and guess what? Um, so, you, of course, now that they've completely cocked up a major prison, they'll never be allowed to bid for government contracts again, will they? Well, according to this headline, they will not be allowed to run HMP Birmingham again for at least six months. Indeed. So the government is, is like a toddler who's, who's, who's <laughs> smashed on the Oh, let me clean up after you. you can They're having a time out. Yeah, you can clean up. Once we spent a lot of money cleaning things up and we t- show you how to run, you can come back again. Imagine real people in real companies had that sort of latitude. It's so weird that it's always the same few companies. It's always G4 and Crap Capita and, and you know. Logica and yeah. EDS. Yeah, yeah. Always but why? Why are these companies allowed to just infinitely screw up? Bribery. Well, maybe if other companies were to do some bribery, they would have better opportunities. Yeah, but the problem is I think the other companies use that extra money to make themselves 
more competent to employ better people and have better strategies. Well, that's just a bad business model. Yeah, but therefore they don't have the money left to bribe the government properly. The clever thing about G4S is rather than spending the money being competent, they spend the money on bribery, which of course means they will always get the contract. It's a cle- that, you're right, that is a very clever business model compared with that other silly, let's just be competent and good value for money business model. Ridiculous. Yeah, it shows you, doesn't it, that we have a lesson to learn here. If you want to do well, make sure that you have enough money to bribe the right people. Now, what I want to know is, and we're recording so early. Mm-hmm. Say, say again, sorry. Never mind. That's for our, our, our special listener. I'll have to listen back later. So what I do you want to know? Carry on. Shh. We're recording so early, yeah. I haven't had a chance to read the news yet this morning. Okay. Um, what, this lady who fell off the cruise ship, have they actually found out how she survived for 10 hours yet? Um, I'm not sure, but I suspect she, she was probably a fat lady, wasn't she? So it was No, probably her she's blubber. not fat. Was it her blubber? No. She Although, looks thin in the picture. I mean, if she was clever, what I imagine she would have done is, A, where was it? It's the Adriatic Sea, so it wasn't exactly warm, was it? And it was midnight, so it was during the evening. I suspect the coast of Croatia. I suspect if she was clever, what she did is she lay on her back. Well, Laura tells me, that's my wife, for the new listener. Um, wife? That she, my wife. That she, um, that the RNLI have been doing a campaign all this summer to have how to survive if you fall in the sea, which is don't swim, just lie on your back. Yes. And I says, maybe she saw the campaign. Yeah. So if I'm like three metres away from the coast, I'm just going to float out to sea. Because mm. the RNLI told me to. But yeah, I, I'm always amazed. And we've been on a cruise ship, as long time listeners will know, because this podcast yeah. has, has been to sea. Yes. Um, a couple of times, in fact, and yeah. um, I'm always amazed by how opportune, how many opportunities there are just to fall off. Yes, but the, the barriers aren't high enough to make that be a thing you can't do. Yes, and there are plenty of incompetent old rubbish people on board who, and, and people who would take risks who would just topple over and not realise. So I don't understand. And they, there's plenty of booze available. So I don't yes. understand why this doesn't happen more. Indeed, I suspect it's probably people's own protective instincts that most people won't get too near the barriers and so forth. That's the only thing I can think oh, of. Oh, no, I've, I but surely you, like anyone else, when you get near the barriers, mm. think, oh, I could jump in. <laughs> I do. Yeah. And you see all around you there are um, those uh, lifeboats and dinghies and ring life rings and all sorts of things. They should probably be all right. Or a but dolphin. What, but so that's that. my next question. The BBC is in their usual pulsiliminous way. Mm-hmm. Have just written this story as British woman rescued ten hours after falling off cruise ship in Croatia. So you've got three questions, I think, immediately anyone yeah. would have. Number one is how did she fall off? Mm-hmm. Number two is how did she survive for ten hours? And number three mm-hmm. is why did a cruise ship leave her for ten hours? So how do they address these questions? They pretend that no one has them. And this is what drives me crazy with BBC News. Rather than saying, as yet, we don't know why she fell off. Or as yet, it's yeah. investigation. They just pretend, because they don't know, they pretend like those aren't interesting questions to ask. Well, also, uh, it depends what, where, where your level of interest or expertise is. You can often find there are weird and annoying gaps in BBC coverage of these things, especially early on. For example... When there is a plane crash or some other accident with a plane, very often they don't tell you what model the plane is. 
until days later. I think, well, you could have found this out very easily. And, you know, some of us want to know whether it has a bad history or whether there's something peculiar, but they, they don't do that. And I suspect everybody in every realm of expertise will find there's this, there are these annoying details. I suppose because they, you know, journalists, I suppose, are never taught the, what are the, the four W's, what, why, where, when, and how. But how, um, but how are they not being taught this? Well, you'd think that that, that was the most basic um, of uh, of journalistic uh, requirements, but it seems not. I think most BBC journalists these days are probably um, affirmative action recruits. <laughs> You're That's such a racist. It's probably the problem. You're That's such the problem. a racist. Yeah. I didn't say that it was by race. It's by incompetence. They give they oh. That's they're allowing. Enough. They say it's not fair that there hasn't been a sufficient quota of incompetent people at the BBC over the years, so they're giving them a chance. <laughs> Interesting how you immediately thought it was race. Who's the racist here? Well, is it me. Or I, is it the man sitting in his pants reviewing games. Hmm? I think. Well, I was basing it on your history of racism. Yeah, true. So. Um, also, but ah, but maybe it's a maybe it's clickbait. Because if you look at, I'm looking at the article now with the headline, British woman rescued 10 hours after falling off cruise ship in Croatia. Mm -hmm. I notice at the top of the article, before the text begin, there is a box with a play button with, quote, I am lucky to be alive, quote, in it. So I wonder whether the lead is buried in the video because BBC would prefer that you watch their video than you read their articles, which is, and the article is basically a three or four paragraphs long. It is, and it's the number one read story on the website, and it's the second... It's the second story on the front page, which and, would imply and, they would have done some journalism, but instead they've just yeah. copied, seemingly copied a story out of the sun and left it there. Yes. Yeah. I don't... Oh. But yes, if you want real clickbait, you just click on entertainment and arts. Oh, really? And enjoy the headlines in there. <sighs> BBC News Online has always been peculiarly poor quality. Haven't you noticed that? It's a bit like Metro newspaper. It's that level of journalistic quality. Why? I don't know. Why is there a headline on BBC News? Why crazy rich Asians could never please all. Oh, no, that's that's crazy rich Asians top U, top US box office. No, there's two stories. This is an older oh. one. This is the one about the film burdened with crazy Asian expectations. Fighting sexism in comic book covers. By sexism, they mean um, sexy because you're not allowed to be sexy anymore. You have to be um, not sexy. There you go. No, the argument they're making is a bad argument because it suggests that men are not drawn in hyper-sexualized ways. Anybody who looks at the bulging bits and bobs in any male superhero will realize that that's absolute nonsense. Let's move on to the next story, shall we? It's just you and your SJW, John. You know what you lot are like. They pick unique poses for women that they never use for men, as yes, this artist quite because, humorously highlights. Yes, and there are unique poses for men that are not chosen for women. We ask, like, yes, despite, they- despite what your friends say, John, we we have different, often have different body types that are best displayed in different um, different positions. So yeah. what? People are forgetting base aesthetics and thinking that base aesthetics are part of the big hegemonic uh, conspiracy. Stop your nonsense now and just enjoy different people's bodies when they're pinned into a rack like butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> and then I imagine you also want all this nonsense about uh, people being kind to each other to end as well. Well, it depends. I mean, I don't wish people to be so kind to Jeremy Corbyn, for example. I think they've been far too kind to him for far too long. There's not a rated bone in his body. He's a nice man. Shut up. Anyway, there we are. Let's, should we say it officially? Should we make it official? Yeah. 
Jeremy Corbyn is an anti-Semite. Yes, he is. That's what Occam's Razor now yes. says. And yes. until um, until we are proposed a simpler hypothesis for all of this, that is the hypothesis that stands. Yeah, that's the end of it. Good. Um, he just didn't. He just didn't know that the man he was kicking to death was a Jew. Yes, he just didn't know in that. the synagogue that of he was setting he, on fire. He just didn't know he hadn't when he big, was setting the, the big, building on fire. He didn't notice that it was a synagogue, but he didn't inhale. <laughs> the big, the big hook nose, you know. Yeah, um, he's got so, a big hook nose though. Yeah, but but it's a Roman nose, isn't it? it, it it's funny he couldn't even say Judeo Christian. He said Romano Christian heritage. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, That's amazing. I think the clue was when both his brother and his child are virulent anti-Semites. His I child? Think. I didn't know about that. Oh, yeah, his son is massively. So I think the clue... OK, you, you mustn't blame the father or the son, but when the whole family basically is, and he's doing this, and he's giving money to Holocaust deniers, and, and, and... Yeah, yeah, the and, okay. and, and is the issue. That's 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 the end of it. It's There we are. Um what I don't like, though, is people who still say to this day he's a very nice man. But whereas if you look at his eye rolling tetchiness, mm. he has if, if when Trump attacks the media or, or, or has contempt for the questions they ask, people are rightfully scornful. Whereas when when Jesse oh, yes. does it, oh, he's being attacked. They say the exact same that the Trump people say. Jeremy Corbyn supporters and Trump supporters in their ignoring and ex- trying to exculpate him and trying to find reasons for uncomfortable truths. They're, they're identical. They're identical. The Trumpers and the Corbynites are basically the same, and they probably even believe in some of the same policies, just, which would shock them. The, uh, especially, yeah, right. Especially, especially since they, they have to be Brexiters, because uh, the leader is. Yes. Hmm. And it's, I love how, um, so obviously I've, I've lost literally hundreds of followers from, hmm. uh, on Twitter from, from being rude about Corbyn. Good. And, um, good riddance. And I always say, well, you know, what about his position? If any of them tried to argue back rather than just, hmm. you know, I always say, well, just, just tell me about how you endorse his position on Brexit. And they, 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 so everything else, they've got an answer. Yeah. So for every all the anti-Semitism stuff, although yeah. as you've pointed out in in the past, I don't know if you said it on the podcast, but you've said it to me a number of times. Um, the issue is, you, is, it doesn't matter. You could spend you could spend your every waking moment proving that Corbyn is an anti-Semite, but in yeah. the end, they don't care. They don't care that he's an no. anti-Semite because they kind of probably think there's something a bit wrong with the Jews, Jews anyway, right? Powerful, rich, bloated. Exactly, bastards. and 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 they yeah. can, and even if they, even if that was like, if they were genuinely didn't think that they still don't think israel should be there no no yeah because it's the only bad state in the world exactly yes, yes. and yeah, and, yeah. and um and and that's right and so you say it's always fun to say to these people let me what, what what's your opinion is on indonesia <laughs> i always like the to indo ask what? Indo what? exactly i always like to ask in indonesia is always my chosen one because if you say saudi arabia they've got themselves covered there or you know whatever yeah. but indonesia they don't even know anything's happening there yeah. Um, and so, and, th- th- and so that's always very revealing, but when it comes to Brexit, they just panic. <laughs> it's yeah, really yeah. funny. They just they start screaming insults or blocking. Because that's where the cognitive dissonance yeah. completely, because there is, because they're, they're fake, um, shimmerer of a creation that they've created called Jeremy Corbyn. The, ooh, Jeremy Would you describe Corbyn it as a, one. as a golem? <laughs> yeah. The, ooh, Jeremy Corbyn version of Jeremy Corbyn mm-hmm. doesn't support Brexit. 
So That's right. It just doesn't compute, and so it's like in Star Trek or whatever, with the, the smoke coming out of the does not compute, just no, <laughs> illogical, Captain, illogical. And that's basically what happens when you confront them. I mean, it is getting quite ridiculous. Do you, you hear about the Labour MP, former Labour MP that was suspended um, after his little posts where he said, for almost... For, this is Jim Sheridan again, one of your um, one of your Scots who they, they tend one to of my like Scots. That. Yeah, I'm half for, Welsh man. How do I get almost, Scottish? For almost for almost all my adult life, I've had the utmost respect and empathy for the Jewish community and their historic suffering. No longer, due to what they and their Blairite plotters are doing to my party <gasps> and the wow. long-suffering people of Britain who need a radical Labour government. There you go. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that. It's, it's kind of um, right. I kind of thought the Holocaust was probably a little bit over the top, but now they can go and screw themselves. Uh, and then, uh, and then, I, I, of course, I love the, I love the, uh, you know, Len McCluskey, the Unite uh, Union General Secretary. You heard what he said as well. He, he's very angry about uh, Jewish leaders who have uh, 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 inexplicable, intransigent his hostility to Labour. It is inexplicable, isn't it? Ir- irresponsible fear-mongering. Um, uh, they raise proper concerns, but they have simply refused to take yes for an answer, he said. But, but uh, the weird thing is, he was the other day, he was telling Corbyn that he needed to sort this out and yeah. root out anti-Semitism. Yeah. So he's flip-flopped rather a lot. Uh, who knows? Uh, uh, it, it is... It is um, it, it, he said... Why have they not, why have these, he said something like, why have they not taken the wonderful olive branch that we've given to them? It's like, come on you, he says, I'm at a loss to understand their motives. They should abandon their truculent hostility. There you go. Goodness me. Well, I would reckon, so I was, so, 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 so John, that's a sort of language you should use when you're trying to end a crisis, isn't it? Abandon your truculent hostility. I don't know what your motives are, etc. There you go. Well, look, I, I, we have Can a Jew live on this program right now. What are your Can you motives? imagine that to take over the world uh-huh. and drink all your blood? Can you imagine that sort of language being used by any other minority in the world? It's just extraordinary. Uh, that, that, uh, that, and that's the telling thing, I think. I, and that's, that's always my argument. I'm, I don't believe that anybody should get special treatment, but I'm asking for consistency. You know, if you are going to be attacking the problems with the state of Israel, which of course there are many, very then many. Yes. Make sure, make sure that you realise those same problems happening in Yemen and various other countries of the world uh, to a much greater extent, often which you ignore. If you're going to um, treat. Uh, a minority in a country in a specific way, don't single out one that you then suddenly allow a barrage of insults to get through, which you wouldn't for another. I'm just asking for consistency here. That's it. Um, if, if the consistent, uh, and I'm actually prepared to say, it's a bit like people say, uh, you know, when, when, you know, when I attack people who fetishize certain languages, like mm-hmm. Welsh and so on, minority languages, I say, let's at least be consistent. And, I, and people think, okay, well, I'm being an English language supremacist. No, that's not the point at all. If the world suddenly decided or the majority suddenly happened that Spanish became the lingua franca, which it may well do, then I would suggest everybody should learn Spanish and shut up, which is one of the reasons why I learning and learn Spanish. So it's just that I want a certain level of consistency and a certain level of level-headed rationalism here. And if you're going to then be hypercritical of every uh, minority, which I think there is reason to be, then be, a, be, be it across the board or don't. But don't be like Len McCluskey, who says this and wouldn't dare say it about anybody else, because that just 
leaves tangled ends and bad historical precedent. Anyway, that's the. It's interesting. Gordon Brown's told um, told Corbyn to pull his socks up now as well. Remember Gordon Brown? He was a bit grumpy. He was, wasn't he? He called that bigot a bigot. Yeah, he, and he was grumpy, and and he sometimes looked quite dour. He did, didn't he? he had that dodgy eye. Couldn't trust Phew, him. Thank, thank heavens we were we, we were rescued from his disastrous prime ministership. It's so funny how he was. Don't forget, he was never elected, which is you know the Theresa May problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was never good that he was prime minister. It was very undemocratic that he was prime mm. minister. But I, I don't care about democracy. It doesn't work. It doesn't. Clearly. I know Brexit. you're right. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> But here's the thing I want to say. I was I had this thought yesterday. I was listening to uh, an episode of The Reunion on Radio 4 yesterday morning. Uh-huh. Um, and it was out Auschwitz. Al- I don't know if you ever heard of this. Auschwitz? Yeah. <laughs> it was um, Auschwitz survivors. Um, and it was... Al- 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 Okay, well, I don't fine. know if you've ever heard of it. It's a, it is was that some a... reality, reality TV show? <laughs> it's like it's very much like Love Island. Okay, Love Island. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, it, but here's what, here was my thought. I, I was thinking how we hear it, we're, we're dominated by the argument against, for and against, and so anti-Semitism. So is this person an anti-Semite? And the default position by the media is it is bad to be an anti-Semite, right? Which is yes. a good thing. It's good that yeah. that's the default position by the media. But what you never ever hear is the argument against it. You just hear that there is an argument against it. You are told mm. it is bad to be an anti-Semite, but you're almost never get to hear on the radio why it's bad to be an anti-Semite. No, but also, but you don't hear that about any form of racism. It's just become uh, an axiom. Sure. But, and I, but I think people have a more instinctive understanding of why it is the prejudice against someone of a different skin colour, I think, is a lot more tangible. Does that make sense? Yeah, but there, there, there is something unique about, uh, about anti-Semitism in that for almost every other racism... It is an implicit understanding that that race is inferior in almost every way and their inferiority is a threat. What's interesting about anti-Semitism is it combines that because there are certain inferiorities. And as the Germans pointed out, you know, racial inferiorities and deformities and whatever, as they showed, degeneracy, as they said. But there's also a fear of superiority. Yes, yes. Um, And it's it's that combination that is unique and toxic. Also, the fact that it's a shape-shifting racism. You have certain people hating Jews because they were the profound radical communists early on. They were the people who wanted to overthrow the capitalist order. There are others who hate them because they represent the arch pinnacle of capitalism, the the Rothschilds and all that kind of thing. So what's interesting is it, it will morph to take on whatever prejudice and whatever hatred you require. And right. that's what's really interesting about it. And the fact that it's gone on since Greek times is also interesting. You know, it's, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of practice, and it's almost that's why it's almost just embedded as a meme. And it's very and people don't realize it. They don't realize it's such an old meme, like like Cinderella and uh, <laughs> and Goldilocks. It's well, one of those things where people. It's don't a lot older than both of those. Well, I don't know if it is. Um, I mean, Cinderella as a uh, as as a, an archetypal tale goes back very 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 far, and I think it's one of those things where people assume that they will be immune to it, but they don't realise how deep the roots are. And I think that's what's probably dangerous about it. And the fact that it can bubble up so quickly, yes, and so virulently amongst people who otherwise would know. You, you go and look at the average um, anti-Israel protester. 
there is an almost sexual um, thrill they're getting out of opposing this that I've never seen in any other political oppositional uh, group. There are people who um, go and... Uh, I, I've seen them go, much fewer sadly, go outside the China embassy and oppose what they're doing to various people. There are people who oppose the treatment of the Rohingyas. And it's always quite a sort of quiet, almost depressed um, right. opposition. You go outside any anti-Israel thing and there people are basically having orgasms of hate. And I think that's telling. And until but where does and it come from? Because people... I, I, I imagine myself, I assume myself to be immune to this because it just doesn't. It's illogical. I don't. Ha- I've mm. never had a prejudice against Jewish people. I've never understood the motivations behind one. It's never occurred to me. The only, the closest I ever got was in the eighties, hearing loads of Jews are tight with money jokes on the telly, mm. and then going, oh, you know, you know, and then. But I also heard that Scots were tight with money jokes on the telly. So that was that was the closest I ever got to even hearing the prejudice, let alone understanding it. So, so wh- why, <laughs> why are these people getting this when I'm not? Um. I guess it's where the right buttons are pressed at the right time. And I just, you, you, you weren't in that position to have it. And which is, which is good. I don't necessarily believe in, I don't believe in inherent institutional racism and all that kind of, and unconscious bias. I just believe that the soil is there and plants can be grown in it when it's tilled and uh, fertilized. That's the kind of way I look. It doesn't mean that everybody is. I don't like that, that kind of, um, original sin notion of well it's it's almost an excuse isn't it at that point yeah i don't believe in the original sin notion i think look everybody is is certainly capable of prejudice and so they should be it's a very useful uh shortcut evolutionary tool you know if you need to make quick judgments about what's going to make you safe and you see something or somebody very different from the normal situation those who probably ran away rather than in integrating them into their lives, were probably less likely to die of novel diseases and things like that that were introduced. Right. So there is a rational basis for a certain fear or suspicion of the other, of something novel. Uh, but, uh, and override, I think overriding that is probably useful and important to realize that we have this fear, we have this distaste of the other. That's perfectly perfect part of our evolutionary baggage but we have another part of our evolutionary baggage called the frontal lobe which we can use to temper that down um, and but i think if you then just try and repress it and say it's evil i think that's where problems happen because it's not evil it's part of a very useful evolutionary baggage that we then have to um you know it's like taming a wild horse you don't kill the wild horse you you you, you, you tame it and i think that's what we have to do with our prejudices we have to realize they are still useful sometimes you know do i put that in my mouth do i make friends with that strange looking creature you know all those kinds of things do i do i uh i i'm in a weird position in a cruise ship shall i uh <laughs> right over the edge no you, there are lots of protective mechanisms where if you think about it you could do those things but maybe first instinct just don't and i think that's probably part of prejudice and racism as well but then of course that that instinct metastasizes into something that causes uh, death camps to be built and that's where it becomes a, a mild problem i think <laughs> which brings me back to my point i thought i would if anyone here is fed up of the of the anti-semitism debate which is a very common term to hear mm. i really i desperately beg people to go and listen to this episode of the reunion i'll link it on the episode yeah um because this is people who were who were in uh, an, a Nazi uh, prison camp 
Uh, well, remember, it didn't actually happen, though. They're just Hollywood <laughs> reconstructions. Sure. Um, these are really good actors. No, and this is these are people who were genuinely there just talking about just how bloody awful i wonder one of them actually uses the phrase bloody awful at one point mm. um just how awful just, you know the 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 real horror of it and it's so it was so helpful to hear for me just to be reminded of what we're talking about to get back to mm. the basics of the reality of anti-semitism of where it where it went in less than a hundred years ago you know um, and this is and here, in this living is memory and this is something that annoys me john and i will get off my chest um the there are people still alive today in families who escaped, as, as you heard, speaking on the reunion and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, most Jewish families in the world have a connection to somebody somewhere who didn't escape, who died. Their families, have, they've got the story from, the, from the, all the aunts who were killed or the babies that were killed or whatever. And the reason we don't have uncle whatever and all that stuff. It's every single family has it. We, we've certainly got that. Sure. Every family has that. Well, I, just, the, just to speak, every Jewish family has that because I yes. don't. Right? No, that, that's my point. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's a very recent wound, a very recent scar of, of, of an enormous, potentially psychologically damaging sort, if you can imagine. You know, yeah, just think about think about the fact that if you go, if you, when you were a kid, regularly went around to grandma's house to play. Yeah. Now imagine grandma was slowly and miserably tortured to death because she. Yeah. Because or she was you Jewish. go. Or, or you go around to grandma's house and you see some old, this is what happened, old black and white pictures of, you know, young, nep- ne- her nephews and nieces and aunts or whatever. And you say, oh, what happened to those people? And then there's a cough and, oh, okay. Now, here's Nanny, why have you got that tattoo? Yeah, here's the issue. Um, I think the general consensus is, oh, get over it. You're milking it. That's the general <laughs> consensus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, come on, get over it. And to be honest... Most did get over. Notice most Jews are not blowing themselves up. They're not uh, blah, blah, blah. It's not, that's not what's happening. I suppose most people say Israel is the reaction to that, and that's where it's happening, perhaps. But I hear arguments for other historic calamities, for example, slavery in America. And people rightfully say that's left massive scars over the generations, and it's going to take a long time for that to repair, and a lot of apologizing and a lot of, you know, don't expect people just to say forget about it, even multiple generations down the line. Yeah. And again, I'm having this moment of, um, of, of double standards here. You know, either these incidents, these calamities do cause intergenerational problems and you expect them to and you take it seriously when the recent descendants of those intergenerational calamities speak out or you don't and it just seems that certain ones you do and certain ones you don't is is, is what we have at the moment we have people who are still alive for goodness who say go in that it's not some it's not quite yet in uh, the mists of history and you'd expect to have a calamity so when so when you have somebody like margaret hodge say these things it's not because she's being hysterical it's because that is a, for her, current wound, which has been picked again. You know, when, when Corbyn started attacking, he said, well, how dare you say it's like 1930s? Well, do you know what? She gets to say that because that's her story and she will tell you the truth of what she feels. You can tell her that she's being hysterical, but then go and tell a PTSD uh, survivor that they're being hysterical when they react to the sound of a car revving, you know, and they suddenly go back into that state. And that's what's because that's what's very distasteful about this is a lot of people telling people who are dealing with a massive trauma that they should pull their socks up and shut up. 
And we wouldn't allow that in any other psychic realm, would we? So uh, I'm just... T- I, I, uh, I think Hodge was wrong to say I was as scared as my as my father was when he was being led off to a death camp. I think no, she, because that, Corbin was it, investigating me for yelling at him in a corridor. No, 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 no but that's, that's my point. Do you hmm. say, do you say to a PTSD person, you're wrong to be scared by a revving engine. Now you might say that's not a rational response. Or you might say that that's because you're damaged and you have a damaged psych- psychology, but I don't think she was lying. I think that did reawaken all those things. That's my point. It's like a P that the whole thing I've been saying, you know, when, a, when, a, when a, a, an African-American said uh, I, uh, that particular thing led me to reevaluate my whole relationship with slavery, blah, 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 that that slight made me realize the whole history of oppression in this country. You don't then say to them, oh, shut up, pull your socks up. You say, OK, that that would probably be in somebody else an overreaction. But I can see how that happens. Similarly, my point is here. You know, if somebody had said that, who hadn't experienced these sorts of things, who didn't have the family connection, you say, right, that's hyperbole. You're just doing that as part of rhetoric. I promise you that she felt panic and she felt I better have the the suitcase packed by the door feelings because she felt a sudden hostility from people she had considered to to be her her group for all her life. And so you can say she was she was not rational, you can say, that's a good argument, and you can say that for anybody else it would have been an overreaction, but I don't say that she's not telling the truth, because I think I she d- is. Do you not think she cheapens the reality of her ancestors when she says... Oh, well, do you, well, do I'm, you str- I'm really am struggling with this, because I just feel like... I found, it, I found it insulting and cheapening to Holocaust survivors and Holocaust victims... Well, if she actually feels that, then that's my point. Right. That is, there are people who have been damaged in ways that have been ignored completely. Right. And when you act in certain ways. So, so now people, I hope that now people, no, people feel this very intently and it does reawaken these things. And perhaps it should, because remember, a lot of people in the early 30s were told, oh, stop talking nonsense. This is just a little tin pot mm-hmm. dictator. He'll be gone soon. The ones who had that instinct, who were not paranoid, who did not, quote, overreact and, ru- and run to another country, those were the ones who were killed. So the ones who succeeded and who um, made it out of there were perhaps uh, tuned to feel these things early rather than late. Right. So it's kind of selection bias. You'd expect that. So, again, I'm not saying that she's necessarily empirically correct, but I'm saying those feelings are, were not... Believe me, people don't say that sort of thing unless they feel it. And because of all the equities, you know, you are cheapening, blah, blah, blah. I do believe she felt that. Whether she should have from a purely rational standpoint, obviously not. Is it possible that she's an idiot? I've not seen that... I mean, she she worked very effectively against the BNP. You know, that's the irony. You know, she's right. massive anti-racist. She she kicked the BNP out of her constituency. I've not seen evidence of it before. It's possible okay. she's gone senile. I mean, it's possible. Uh, I but, don't know anything about. I really don't know anything about her. Uh, but you know, she she's been in the Labour Party forever. I mean, it's uh, yeah. interesting. It's an interesting decision of people to. Oh, uh, notice that. Uh, Jewish labor movement um, were asked to do some um, 
at how not to be an anti-Semite courses at the next, <laughs> the next Labour conference. But they've pulled out because when they put the syllabus forward, which included examples of, say, Ken Livingston and so on, the leadership said, remove those examples. Or, oh, or, no. So, then, so they, they censored it and they, so they buggered off. So and now they've got nobody who's prepared to run those. They literally courses. told Jews how yeah. to do anti. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And as they said, OK, so next time that uh, anti-black racism person comes, you say, oh, no, no, don't 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 <laughs> use the example of of the uh, of the Labour councillor who was massively anti-black racist. Um, let's use a Tory instead. Yeah, no, the point of teaching the Labour Party is to learn from our own mistakes. No, shut up. It's it's, it's the leader's friend. Well, yeah. that's fine. then. That's fine. It's not a problem, is it? I wonder. It's interesting. Corbyn's never really addressed the Livingstone issue ever, has he? No. Well, it's his big mate. I'll tell you something funny about Livingstone. Um, we go on there, there, you know, park run. Um, mm-hmm. So my brother has a, a park run uh, in a park near where Ken Livingstone lives. And Ken Livingstone is sometimes going for a walk at the moment when the park runs running and he is furious he hates it he literally shakes his fists and mutters because he doesn't like people using parks for running in it's <laughs> quite amusing it is disgraceful <laughs> grumpy man what are you doing in that park it's not for running I'm trying to walk my newts <laughs> uh, I do think he's probably gone a little senile but there you go I can't wait for him to go properly senile and just start tweeting about how much he loves Hitler yeah, imagine that. Um, so what's been what's been happening with Toby? Surely he's about ready to go to school. Talking Jessica about is. massive anti-Semites. Uh-huh. Toby. Oh. I can hear him banging and crashing around outside my room right now. I'm not quite sure why he hasn't gone to nursery ten minutes ago. Bloody Nazi. Yeah, ridiculous. He's going to not go to school for a whole year. Well, Jessica's going to school. Well, that's because she um, is, is, four. is so stupid. Four year old. How old is Toby? He's three. So, you know, when he's four, he's going to school and he's going to learn things with his school uniform and homework. He's only good. Th- thankfully, he gets a year off school because he was born at the end of October, <laughs> which is our okay. genius. Yeah, very good. Um, so he doesn't have to go till he's a month or five. Where are you going on holiday? We're going to Cornwall. Oh, yeah. You're taking out a second mortgage then. No, we found this. It's not, it's not cheap, admittedly, but we found this amazing cottage that's toddler friendly. Mm-hmm. has all sorts of toddler facilities on site Ooh, i say toddler okay. preschool so it's got like a, a soft play and a swimming pool and and a playroom and a outdoor bike area plastic bike area and there's That's farm nice. animals to feed and oh it's brills we went there earlier this year and we're going back oh i said kittens how's lucy she's lucy and does she get on with toby oh yeah those two are best friends we had some, uh, some friends over for food yesterday. They um, they were the owners of Lucy's mummy, Sushi. Sushi. Yes. And um, and so Dave was uh, giving Lucy a cuddle in the garden, saying hello to her, giving her a stroke until she bit his hand. <laughs> That's a cat, isn't it? Yes. I'm done now, chomp. Oh, my goodness. Is there any game that I should be playing? Oh, Yes. Which one would I enjoy? <laughs> a bit like Lemmings. <laughs> a bit like Lemmings. Why don't you play Lemmings? Actually, that's a. Uh, I presume Lemmings has been remastered. Um, funnily enough, Lemmings is now no longer available on mobile. Why? It's one of these games that's fallen into the cracks. But it sh- it sounds. I-, I think it's ideal for mobile. It was yeah. a mouse-driven game. Why not? You are. You tell me. 
I'm genuinely... I would imagine it's to do with licenses and rights. Okay, so people don't want to make money. Uh Uh-huh. But has it been remastered? Uh, it was, yeah, a while back it was, yes. But the pixelated art was the ch- and the, the and the music was the charm of it. So I'm not sure. I think I prefer the original. But oh no, not go. remastered like that. No, um, just made to work on modern machines. Let me just with find 3D. you the latest with with 3D, 3D. Oh, they made uh, Lemmings Lemming. 3D back in the olden days. That was in 1995, and it was it was yeah. rubbish. Yeah. Um, yes, it was released for PlayStation Plus in 2006. That was the last time there was a Lemmings release. It was 2006. Weird. Well, you've got to understand what happens to these things is they fall into uh, uh, copyright hell. Um, and you're such a fan of copyright. Maybe you should think I'm so about glad that. that copyright's working perfectly. Oh, no, hang on. Uh, there's a Lemmings Touch in 2014 on the PS Vita. The PS Vita. Good. Um, glad to hear that. Uh, yeah, they, so there are games like um, No One Lives Forever, which people absolutely adore, and no one is able to sell because no one knows who owns it. Is someone between Fox, Activision, and another company own it? Is Activision still extant? Yeah, and is it the same Activision? Yes, Activision is the same Activision. They and they Not make like all their Atari. money by releasing um, Call of Duty once a year, right? And Call of Duty makes literally two billion dollars a year. Okay, so That's they don't need, need to, to worry do. about anything else now. Hmm. Um, so yes, but there are companies like Atari, which are just, oh, I think we describe Atari as, uh, the, 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 the monster wearing the skin of Atari. Oh, by the way, I've had uh, a few flights recently cause I've been to the U S and then I had to go to Greek, a Greek island for a, you had weekend. to, I had to, I was a business. to take it to Greece. No, it was a business thing. So I, I got paid to do it, but grief, which I shall tell you, but uh, so I had lots of flights, and so I decided to choose one of those television series that everybody had talked about for eight million two hundred fifty-three thousand. Let me guess. Twenty-five. Let me years. guess. Breaking Bad. Correct. <laughs> I guess right. Any good? I've never seen it. Yes. Yes, it's good. Oh, I was really hoping you'd be rubbish. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I, I quite enjoy it. Sorry. <laughs> Curses. Damn it. <laughs> How did you guess? I just could guessed it? it was that or, or the Wire. Those are the two. No, don't be ridiculous. That no one's ever I... seen. Uh, nobody watches The Wire, really. Um, no, Breaking, no, Breaking Bad's very good. Uh, it's on Netflix. Watch it, I guess. That's what I would suggest. Okay. Yes. Go on, then. Okay, now? Uh, now, just watch it, yeah. Hang on. Enjoying it? Hang on, I'm just opening Netflix. Yeah. There you go. Don't watch... Oh, my goodness, I started watching Disenchantment, the new show is by that? Matt Groening. Don't be ridiculous. That's by Matt Groening. It was so bad. I could barely make it ten minutes in. It was really just you don't say the worst. Huh. Huh. Gosh, what a surprise! He's usually so good at everything he does for millions of years. Hang on, I'm just putting my my headphones to the to the microphone so you can hear. Okay. Let me just jump ahead. Who there you go. You see on this? It's Brian Cranston. There you go. I started yeah. watching Breaking Bad for you. There you go. Good. And then you can continue until it's finished. Right. In the meantime, stop so we can say goodbye to the listener. Okay, I've paused I've, it now. I've, I've got some work to do, so let's say goodbye. I've got some giant inverted commas work to do. Enjoy playing your video games. Oh, wish. I've got to write about them, not play them today. Uh, the worst. Get Toby to do that. Yeah. I like this game. Not colours fun. There you go. You've yeah. got the job. <laughs> Thank you. Right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Have fun.